Thank you for all you do. You may be seated in the house of God. Thank you so much for that testimony, sister. That was amazing. I love your fire. I just believe God is joining us together in these end times. There's been a lot of shaking up in churches, a lot of shaking up in relationships. Even when we started having COVID services, theirs were shaking up. My in-laws wouldn't even come around anymore. There has been a lot of shaking up in this season, and God is testing our faith. I'm not saying everybody has to be around me because I want to go around you. That's okay. You can do what you got to do. But I've been noticing there's been a lot of people talking the talk, but now they don't want to walk the walk. But I've also noticed, which I think is great, is a lot of people coming out the woodworks who didn't really have a loud voice before because maybe their church was all about something else and they were just kind of chilling in the background. But when this happened, they had a voice louder than their church. I literally have been meeting people all throughout this season that have more faith than even their pastors, that have more, are y'all listening to me, that have more faith than even their elders and their leaders because they're willing to take those steps of faith. And once again, I'm not saying everybody's got to stand in front of the Black Lives Matter movement or do what we did with COVID, but I want to tell you something. God has been blessing those who have been. God has been blessing those who are willing to take those steps of faith. And at the least, at the very least, what you can do is just stretch out your hand and say, Lord, bless those who are fighting that fight. Amen. Because if you don't have anything good to say, don't say anything at all. I'm telling you, I felt like David just for a little bit a couple weeks ago when some of the haters from other churches didn't like me anyways, when they started seeing all the LGBTQ and BLM was jumping on my Facebook, they got right on there. And my wife's like, this person goes to this church. Yeah, they were haters before and they're haters now. But listen, haters, you can't hate on what God has blessed because this is God's blessing. You can't stop it. I'm going to celebrate you can keep hating, and I still bless you in Jesus' name. This smile that I have, the Lord gave it to me, and you can't take it away in Jesus' name. It's been a good day since I've been serving God. Hallelujah. Since 1995, it's been a good day. Hallelujah. He ain't stopped being good to me yet, so I'll keep being his servant. Hallelujah. And if there's any mistakes that I've made along the way, the Lord's been gracious to me. And the Lord will be gracious to us. Maybe we didn't do all the COVID stuff right. Maybe we didn't do all the, uh, the anti-protesting stuff right or gospel preaching in front of this location right. You know what? At least we on the water, baby. We might got a little bit wet, but you still in the boat. Can I hear an amen for some folks that would rather get wet with Jesus on the water than stay in the boat with everybody else naysaying Monday morning quarterbacking. Praise God. I would rather walk on the water with Jesus and get a little wet. You know those disciples, they probably made fun of Peter when he got in the water, uh, you know, got back in the boat. Ha ha, look at you, Peter. You fell down. You, you got scared. But what could he say back to him? At least I got out the boat, Thomas. At least I got out the boat, Philip. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. At least people know where we stand, amen? And I hope for you and your family that God keeps blessing you in these times, that his prosperity is greater than what the devil brings against us. And that's what brings me to this message today. Fathers, in the end times, open up your Bibles with me to Malachi chapter 4. We're going to tie in two messages today. A message for the, father and a, and the fathers and a message about our current situation Malachi chapter 4, if you need the notes, they're on our app or online, the website. 
Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. We're going to go to the last chapter, to the last verses of this last book. We're going to read it out in the King James because they translate the word correctly. It says, Behold, I will send Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children. Whose heart is he going to turn? The heart of the fathers. Somebody say fathers. Thank you. And the heart of the children to their what? To their fathers. Somebody say fathers again. Thank you, fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Last book, last chapter, last verses. We hear a prophecy about the coming of Jesus Christ. One of the principles that we have to understand when we interpret scripture is the already and the not yet. This was the very reason why the Jewish people missed Christ as the Messiah because they didn't understand the already and the not yet. Look at verse 5. It says, I'm going to send Elijah the prophet before the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Now, Jesus, when he was with the disciples, was asked the question, if you're really the Messiah, then why hasn't Elijah came? And this was them believing in reincarnation of some kind. They, they also talked about that when John the Baptist died and saw Jesus still doing miracles. They thought maybe he was a reincarnated version of John the Baptist. That's weird. But track with their thinking. There's a prophecy about Elijah coming before the Messiah. If Jesus the Messiah is the Messiah and he's here, they're asking, where is Elijah? And what, do they, what does Jesus say back to them? Elijah has come. He was John the Baptist, and they killed him. How many remember that? Jesus calls John the Baptist his Elijah. So that's fulfilled. So that's done. But where did the Jews miss Jesus being the Messiah? Because they then thought, well, if Elijah comes, the Messiah comes. Now what's supposed to come right next? The great dreadful day of the Lord. What did the prophets say the dreadful day of the Lord was? The day of judgment, the day of Armageddon, the day when the Messiah sets it all right. Did that happen when Jesus was on the earth? Did Jesus turn around after the crucifixion and judge everybody? Did he destroy the earth? No, so look at the principle. It's already happened. The Messiah has come, and now we look back on that event, but this was a future prophecy foretelling it, that the already has come. Christ has come. The Messiah has come. The Elijah has come. But what is the not yet, the great and dreadful day of the Lord? Have we seen the great and dreadful day of the Lord yet? No, so we're right in between Elijah coming with the Messiah and the great dreadful day of the Lord. The great dreadful day of the Lord is even prophesied in the New Testament, and it's spoken about in Revelation in places like Matthew 24, which we'll get to later. But did you know that the Old Testament actually talks more about the great dreadful day of the Lord than even the New Testament? In other words, there's more prophecies about Jesus' second coming as judge, ruling and reigning king over the earth than there was prophecies about him coming the first time. So we ought to get woke to the fact that Christ is coming back. We ought not to be sleeping on that, getting tired and forgetting that Christ is coming back. There's a reality. Christ is coming. And for those who have not been serving him, it's going to be a great and dreadful day. Bible says that over 100 million will die just in the battle of Armageddon. He will literally stomp on his enemies as a person stomps on grapes, and there will be a flow of blood over a hundred miles long from the valley of Megiddo as high as a horse's head. There will be hell to pay for those who have rejected Christ. 
It's a real day. It's dreadful. There is nothing happy about that day for those who have not been serving Christ. But just like if you were a Cubs fan and when they won the World Series, you were happy while the losing team was sad, on that day, the Christians will be rejoicing that now their blood, the blood of the martyrs, all of that has been done against them has been revenged. Because we've been saying for a long time, I'm not going to be bitter. I'm going to be better because vengeance belongs to the... We've been saying that for a long time, but now on that great and dreadful day, vengeance is dealt out. But there's something that's supposed to happen before that, a turning of hearts from fathers, a turning of their heart to their children, and from the children turning of their hearts back to the fathers. But what does that priest suppose? That presupposes that there's already been a turning away from fathers' hearts, from their children. Are you tracking? And children's hearts from their fathers. So if I make a prophecy and I say, I'm going to come back to Florida this time next year, if I make that as a prophecy, what am I presupposing? That the next year I'm not going to be in Florida. Are you listening? If God makes a prophecy and he says, I'm going to turn father's hearts back to children and children's hearts back to fathers, what does that presuppose? That there's going to be hearts away from fathers and children. And I love that sister brought this up. Did you listen to our message on the way here or did you already have this in your heart? Be honest. It was in her heart. And I watched the confirmation from, from what one speaker has already said to another speaker. When you look at what's going on in our city right now, in the movements of LGBTQ and BLM and all these movements, do you see fathers? No, you only see children. You only see young adults. Why? Because their hearts have turned from their fathers. But what happened first? Fathers turned their hearts from their children. What we are now witnessing, whether it's the corruption of sexual identity or race wars or the misunderstanding of God and government and policy, what we're seeing is a result of fatherless homes and children without fathers. This was prophesied upon us and that God would restore us, but if we would not be willing, he would come and smite the earth with a curse. Have we already seen the curse? We have. Abortion is a curse upon our land because fathers don't have a heart for their children. Think about how many abortions would be aborted. We would abort abortions if fathers put their foot down and said, I want to raise that child. I will fight and defend to raise that child instead of fathers threatening baby mamas and sometimes even killing baby mamas because they don't want the baby. Are you listening? What would happen in the LGBT lifestyle if they were raised by godly fathers who taught them true sexuality and modeled it with mom and dad at home? What would happen if moms and dads, fathers leading the home, would show children what it's like to work hard and to follow God and to do all of these things according to his word? Would there be so many today falling for the teachings of Marxism, socialism, and all of these isms that are built upon thievery and stealing? Listen to me, my friends, where we have fallen as a nation, where we have been cursed is the very place where God said he would bless. He said, if the fathers do this, if the children's do this, I won't smite and bring a curse. And so I want to ask you a question today. How have we been doing as a culture? Well, let's just scroll down and look at some of the stats. 
24 million children live right now in fatherless homes. Four times greater risk of poverty if you don't have a father in the home. Seven times more likely to become pregnant, more likely to have behavioral problems, more likely to suffer abuse and neglect because you lack that security and things that you need. And we've had Mother's Day and we love our mothers, but listen, these are real problems right now without fathers in the home. Uh, risk of children dying, uh, more of a risk of being on drugs, more likely to go to prison, be unhealthy, suffer an obesity, to to commit a crime to drop out of high school. How many know these are facts? I mean, if, if President Obama and I talk the same facts, you know it's inarguable, right? Come on. If me and Louis Farrakhan say the same things, you know it's inarguable. I'm half teasing there, but facts a fact. God said he would smite the earth with a curse if fathers did not return back to their children and if children did not return back to their fathers. And so I want us to just sit on that for a minute and just think about how cursed we've become because of that. So is the answer in politics? No, but politics will receive the answer once we get it. But the answer is not found there. Is the answer found in education? No, but when we have the answer, education will benefit from it. Is the answer in any of these movements or isms, even if they're good movements and isms? No, the answer is found in God's word. Amen. The transformation of a father's heart. The transformation of a child's heart. I think about myself, I was a rebellious child raised by godly parents, but because my heart was not with God, my heart was not with them. But when God regenerated me, made me new, gave me a new heart, my heart instantly went to my family and especially to my father's authority. Now that I am a father, as long as my children are in my house and they're serving God, they will welcome my authority. They will welcome my blessing to them. They will inherit more that they could ever imagine if they'll stay faithful to God. But if they walk away from that, they'll inherit a curse. Are you listening? Let's go to Matthew chapter 4. Look at your neighbors. That was just the introduction. Come on, now i got to tie it into the end times a little bit more. Because in Matthew chapter 24, the disciples ask Jesus, and they say, what is it going to be like in the end times? In other words, what is it going to be like before the great and dreadful day of the Lord? Rebed in Malachi that Elijah has to come first. He has come through John the Baptist. We understand that the Messiah has to come first so that he can bring all nations into the kingdom of God, not just Jewish folks, and that he must come to be the lamb slain because that was predicted before the foundation of the world. So those things have happened, and the disciples want to know what is going to be the signs that now that day is coming where you're going to judge us. You're no longer a baby in a manger you're no longer just hanging out, multiplying the bread and the wine and making the party, you know, go OT, go overtime. What is it going to be like when you're on a horse, when you have a sword, when you are judging us, when the nations are being laid low? What is it going to be like? He says, watch out, let no one deceive you. Right there, come on, right there, stop, get it. Deception will be great in the end times. Do you believe you're in the end times? I believe we are. There's a sign of it right now, deception. Think about all the deception with different religions. Think about all the deception right now with different uh, political movements, all the deception going on, even with gender and, uh, and sexuality, all the deception going on right now in economics. It seems as if lying is normal now. 
He then says, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and deceive many. So false Christ, literally people saying, I am a Messiah figure, I am Jesus in the flesh, will multiply in that time. Do you know that right now you are alive during the number one, the number one time a false Christ ever upon the planet? They estimate over a thousand right now, over a thousand. And some of them that I've written about and have corrected like Apollo Quibloy in the Philippines has over a million followers. Not only are they larger in number, more people claiming to be Christ, but those believing that they are Christ are larger in number than ever before. Verse six, he says, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you're not alarmed. Have we not heard that too in our day? The wars and rumors of wars with North Korea. The wars and rumors of wars with China. And then not just being American-centric, place yourself around the world and think about the wars and rumors of wars for those living in the Middle East, for those in various African nations and uprisings, those in Southeast Asia. The wars and rumors of wars are everywhere and are without border. It seems like every nation has something to think about when it comes to a war or a rumor of war. Now watch, he says, these things must happen, but the end is still to come. So the great and dreadful day of the Lord is still to come. But look at verse seven, and I have it there in the Greek as well so you can understand what that word is. He says, nation, ethnos, will rise against nation, ethnos, and kingdom against kingdom. There'll be famines, earthquakes in various places, and these are just the beginning of the birth pains. Somebody say, just the beginning. So we're waiting for the great and dreadful day of the Lord. We know that fathers and children need to be reunited, but these are going to be signs that we're getting closer, and there's going to be these famines. And think about how a sign of famine is in our day. 2,000 years ago, don't you think it would have been easy to predict everybody would be well-fed? Wouldn't that just be easy? Because right now, don't we all have the technology to be well-fed? In America, are you well-fed? If I just chopped off a little bit of your extra and gave it to the other nations, would, you, would they be well-fed? If I just took what you're spending on your gym membership and put it towards food to the nations, would they be well-fed? Yes, but why are there famines? Because of wicked governments and leadership that keeps that food from coming. Famine is a sign of evil upon the earth. Earthquakes in various places, that's what a tsunami is, and that's what's going on across our world. But I want you to see this and tie it into Father's Day. Nation, ethnos, will rise against nation. What does that word ethnos sound like in our English word? Ethnic, ethnic. Somebody said ethics, that's a different word. But ethnic. Do you know that we're all one race, the human race? That's why we shouldn't even accept the idea of racism because we all come from Adam. And then from Adam to Noah and his children, the entire human race has come. Do you know that at the heart of racism is actually evolution? And therefore, if someone is an evolutionist, to be consistent, they must be a racist? Have you ever talked to a dog breeder before? Aren't they racist over the dog breeds? <laughs> Come on, let's be honest. Don't they talk about a pure German shepherd? Don't they talk about a pure pit bull and they charge more? Why? Because they're playing with the 
adaptation. See, God allowed animals to intermingle among their kind. A dog and a wolf and a fox all are a similar kind. And then you can divide them up and isolate their genes. But if evolution is true, that means that dogs evolved from non-dogs. And so if you wanted to be real about it, there is a better kind of dog and a less kind of dog, depending on where they are in that chain of events. Are you listening? As you look at the family tree, there's a better dog, isn't there? There's a more real dog and a less real dog. Well, if evolution is true, which one is less human and more human among us? See, isn't it something that when you tie together Margaret Sanger with eugenics and you tie together Hitler with with his Aryan race theology and you tie together the white racists of the South, you can see this theology of a evolutionist following through, which is superiority in race, superiority in intellect, and that from the goo through the zoo came you, therefore we can kill you now. You're a rat. We can enslave you now. And isn't it that same thinking that allows women to kill a baby in an abortion clinic? This is just a parasite inside my womb. It doesn't have human value. So how could a Christian truly ever be racist? They never could be racist. We don't accept evolutionary theory without God in that sense. We don't accept from the goo through the zoo to you. We accept that we were made in the image of God and that from one race comes the human race. And though we may just have different exterior features, we are all interiorly the same and spiritually the same. So there isn't a better human based on adaptation or transformation of their body. So we reject that. But the Bible says as a sign to the end times, there would be ethnos against ethnos. And I think it's odd in our time that we always point at the Western ethnos, the people that look like me and all the problems they had. But did you want to be a part of Aztec, Inca, or the Mayans, Latino people? Because they raised up against your indigenous people and enslaved them. Why do they get a pass? And all my Asian friends, why does China, Japan, and those mega nations over there get a pass of what they did? And all my Arab friends, assalamu alaikum, you started the African slave trade and the European slave trade long before Christianity, and it still exists to this day in places like Dofar, Sudan, and Libya. Why do they get a pass? You see, in other words, nation rising against nation has always been the way. But something unique will happen in the end times of an increase of an irrationality to such a level that the church is supposed to arise and go, this is a sign to me. Just like there's always been earthquakes, but in the end, there's going to be more. Just like there's always been famines, but in the end, there's going to be more. And just like there's always been some kind of an ethnos uprising or racism, enslaving of one people group to another people group, though that's been natural to humanity because of sin, there will be an increase in the end. Why? Because fathers will not be raising their children in the things of God. Can I get to the conclusion? Somebody say the good news. 
I believe that God is wanting to raise up fathers and ethnic groups to be fathers of their nation, to raise up new nations, to raise up new leadership, to raise up new morality, lest the Lord smite us with a curse. So if you're with me today and you want to see the curse reversed, we've got to start with the fathers and say, fathers, it's time to take your place in your nation, in your ethnos, and stand for the things of God and bring about the godly nation if each one of us as fathers begin to take our place and say I'm going to start with those who look like me in my house in my family in my neighborhood and I'm going to start to be a leader and I'm going to start to be a father and I'm going to start to be an example then our children would act different wouldn't they and then when we start to look beyond our own neighborhoods and then start adopting in other cultures and nations into our families raising up who don't have fathers we will then become a nation of multiple nations just like Jesus said in the book of Revelation that there's every nation tribe and tongue worshiping in him, worshiping him there. How many want to be a part of that? Because our father is the father of many nations. The promise started with Abraham, but it was, a, it was an example like, Abraham, you're going to be like God the Father. What's, what's God the Father like? He has a chosen people that, that has spread out to all the nations. He wants all the nations to come to him. So Abraham, you're going to start the Jewish people. And from the Jewish people, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. As it was with Abraham, God wants it to be with us. And so first, I want to take personal responsibility for my nation, my ethnos, in the land that I live in, and teach them the ways of Christ. So all my white folks, look at me. Just because you're white doesn't mean you're of me. But I'll tell you how you can be of me. Be of the Father. Be of the nation of Christ. And join with me and rise up and be examples again. Be examples again. And I pray that every Latino, every African-American, every Asian, every Middle Eastern person of descent can say, I will be a leader in my nation. And then what I love about the body of Christ is, as I said before, we can invite all the nations in. I pray that this African-American father fathers all the other children who don't have fathers and brings them into his nation, which is more than just a skin color, which is the nation of God. I pray that everyone here who is a father will adopt other children into their life so that the world will stop making the excuse that nobody loved me, nobody reached out to me, nobody showed me better. No, that's a lie. There are people here to help. There are people here to raise you up in the things of God. There are people here to lend you a car if you need to get a license. There are people here to take you shopping if you need clothes for a job interview. Can I talk to somebody? There's people here that are willing to bring you over for Father's Day. If you don't have a Father's Day house to go to, you can come to my house today in Jesus' name and scratch my back in Jesus' Jesus' name. Hey, come on, somebody. All my kids got scratched my back today. <laughs> Why? Because the nation of God encompasses all of our nations. And if we see Christ first, we can then lead our nation to Christ. We have to. It's where we're at now. You can't depend on people anymore that don't have this mentality. I'm being honest with you. I'm, I'm so heartbroken about even that, that you know, my African-American brothers and sisters, they're heartbroken for me watching us get beat up and called racist, but I'm broken for them. I'm watching what they're being called by their own African-American brothers and sisters, some even in the church. And it's so messy. And I'm saying, how can't you see this? 
This is meant to divide us. This is trying to hurt us. This is not to help us. And yet people are just taking it and fighting against each other. There's nothing like a white person yelling at a black person and calling them a racist name. How in the world was that acceptable? But it's acceptable now. Our African-American brother TJ was called a coon by a white person. How is that even acceptable? It's because they have already made their mind up that they're not going to fight amongst themselves based on nation. They're going to join based on ideology. And we have Christ. How much more should we unite among the nation of God's people? How much more should we unite because we have the nation of Christ? And then we can say to our nation, follow me as I follow Christ. I would rather, listen to me, I would rather be with three or four or five of you who look nothing like me, talk nothing like me, don't like wakeboard and don't like what I like to eat, don't dress like me and, you know, in cargo shorts, whatever. I don't care. I would rather have you love Jesus and be in my life than to get a bunch of people from Jersey Shore, Chicago Shore, pump their fists with me and say that they're my nation, they're my people. No, I'm done with that. And as a pastor, I reject that. I don't want to click church. I don't want people who just like me because I'm funny, because I, I make them feel good. I don't want people just to come here because they dress like me. Please don't dress like me, amen. You'll be so out of fashion if you dress like me. Listen, I don't want to be around people like, I want to be around people who are like Jesus. Can I hear an amen? Let's finish it out, nine and onward. Scroll down, good sir. This is what he said. He said, then you'll be handed over to be persecuted and be put to death, and you'll be hated by all nations because of me. How many saw that when we stood up for righteousness? All of them hated all of us. Why? Because we were standing for Christ. And I've always talked about this. How in the world could Germany be fighting three different wars at the same time? They're fighting Europe. They're fighting America. They're fighting Russia. And all of that, that happening at the same time. And then say, let's take a bunch of Jews and kill them. I mean, you would think, I'm at battle, I'm at war. I can't afford a soldier over here. I can't afford to, to build this concentration camp. But you see, the war was an excuse for the Holocaust. The devil was just using Hitler and his idea of power to actually get to the Jews to find a reason to kill them and to have a nation try to exterminate them. Are you listening? And I say the same thing. How in the world in the end times, when there's earthquakes, famines, upheaval, do they have time to kill Christians? Why? Because all of that is a smokescreen for the very thing the devil wants to do, and that is kill Christians. I thought that very thing while it was happening to us. All of this is happening. The city's being burned down and all of this, and we're being put on the news, being called racist and homophobic. How in the world is that news? Why? Because that was what they wanted all along, was to have their, to have their pitchfork and to come against the Christians. And he says, many will turn away from the faith and betray each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many. And because of the increase of wickedness, in the literal word there is a nomai. A is negative, like a theist. Theist is God. A means no God. And so a nomai. Nomai is law. No law. Lawlessness. The love of most will grow cold. How many see that right now? A lot of Christians, their love is growing cold because they are so scared of what's going on. And listen, if, if they started with us, the tip of the spear. They're coming after your pastor too. So all y'all who left this church, they're coming after your church too. Whatever new one you find, they're coming after them too. They came after a seeker-sensitive pastor for simply liking conservative tweets. And then they kicked him out the school he was running, kicked him out the, the hospital service, the clinic they were doing. 
I'm telling you, it's just a matter of time before they say bow to LGBTQ or we're taking away your 501c3. We're going to take away your children. We have pastors in this church where their, 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 their relatives are calling DCFS on them because they teach their children the Bible about sexuality. They want to try to take their kids away. Already in some European nations, it's illegal to homeschool because of lawlessness. The love of many will grow cold. They're just going to get scared. Like, man, I'm not standing up against this. I need my job. I'm not standing up against this mob. I want their approval. But the Bible says the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And can I apply this to the fathers quickly in closing? Fathers, you better stand strong during this time because your children are looking to you. If you think the world is bad now, what do you think it's going to be like when they're our age? So we need to teach them what it's like to stand up against evil. You know, we may not make all the right decisions, like I said before, but I'm glad we're trying to walk on the water with Jesus so that my boy Lucas, come on, as he gets older and he gets persecuted for his faith, he'll be able to say, I watched my dad stand up for Jesus and he didn't lose faith and I'm not going to lose faith. Come on. And they're going to stand together, black and white. Can I have your son stand with my son? Come on up here, Lucas. Grab this young man by the hand. Don't cry. Come up here. I'm going to be nice to you. What's your name, young man? What's his name? Malachi. Are you serious? And we read from Malachi. Hold his hand up right here. Together, this is what's going to happen in the generation to come. They're going to preach together, and they're going to remember what mom and dad went through, and they're going to say it's not skin deep. It's blood deep, and we washed by the same blood, and we're standing up for righteousness, and they're going to bring in the coming of the Lord. Amen. God bless you. Give each other a hug. There you go. Amen. Praise God. Take that, devil. We're raising them up. Thank you, Malachi. You see, our children are watching how we're responding to this situation. Because if mom and dad get scared to go to Metro Praise, then they're going to get scared to serve Jesus. Y'all get that? You take off once a month for their days to go to sports. When they're old, they'll never go to church because of sports. You know how that works with children. They're going to take what you taught them to that next level. They watch you right now quit on this church or quit on churches that are preaching the gospel. When they're your age, they're just going to quit on Jesus. They're going to accept Oprah's Jesus, Ellen's Jesus, whatever's popular at that time, Jesus. Jesus that don't offend them. See, because of lawlessness, people's love will go cold. And let's be honest, we've all felt that fear of what happened. What would, what would I do if something happened to my family? What would I do? But here's the thing. The Bible says God's with us always, even unto the end. He'll give us courage even in the, in the dungeons, even if they torture us. He'll give us courage. Read Richard Warmbrand's a book, Tortured for Christ, and see how much courage he had when they took him away from his family for the gospel. And here's the good news. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all, what? To all nations, to all ethnos. And then the end will come. So fathers, even in the midst of people deciding if they're going to be cursed or blessed or uprise against each other, fathers, there's a remnant of us that are going to make this thing happen in Jesus' name. There is going to be a remnant that's going to be a part of the blessing that goes to other nations, just like you're going to the Philippines and you're going to bring them into your family and you're going to share life with them. That's what we're going to do until Jesus comes back. All the nations will be unified through the spiritual fathers to the one Father, Father God. And at that point, our job will be done. And that great and dreadful day will come. And on that day, we can say our hands are clean. 
Neighbor, we loved you. Even though you were Indian and Hindu, that's what some of my neighbors are. I loved you. Neighbor, I loved you. Even though you were transgender or LGBT, whatever, I loved you. I welcomed you in. I gave you opportunity. I preached to you. We will be able to stand at the end and we'll hear from Christ. Well done, my good and faithful servant. And I pray that the fathers will be there leading the way. Amen. Can we stand up and give it up for Jesus today? We love you, Lord. Come on. I know you're just standing up. Let's praise him right now. Band and altar workers, would you come, please? We need to see revival in this land, starting with the fathers. Let's pray as we get ready to close out. Thank you for coming today. Father, I ask that you will touch everyone's heart, especially those who may be far from you. May they come close to you right now. If you have not been born again, received into the family of God, would you just ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life? Pray to the Father. Say, Father, I want to be born again. I want to be a part of the spiritual nation that will rule and reign upon this earth. And I want to lead my ethnos to you, my people and other peoples to you. Right now, take your, take your seat at the king's table. Be a king's kid right now. If you're here and you've been a Christian but haven't been living like one, would you repent right now and say, Lord, I want to live with, without compromise. I want to live on fire. Some of my altar workers come today up to the front. We're going to have prayer for those who feel comfortable with it today. I sense the Lord doing this. If you're here today, you don't know Jesus personally or you've known him but haven't been living for him. Make it right. Get close to him. How about this? I want to pray for you. If you're here today and you would say, I'm a Christian, but I'm lacking power, I'm lacking courage, I'm lacking boldness, I need energy, I need strength, would you pray with me right now to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? This is where we speak in other tongues. Maybe you've heard us do it here. These are unlearned languages. You can receive those right now. Father, baptize all those in the Holy Spirit who need the power of your spirit right now. Come on, those who are already filled with the Holy Spirit, just begin to speak in other tongues right now. Hallelujah. Some of you might say, well, don't you need a translator? Doesn't somebody have to translate? No, I'm speaking to God. The Bible says those who speak in tongues utter mysteries to God. No one understands them. I'm not speaking to you right now a message that needs to be interpreted. I'm building up my most holy faith in the Holy Spirit. If you're here today and you need the Holy Spirit to build up your faith, I'm telling you the gift of the Holy Spirit is what you need. Your tongue may not sound like mine. You don't have to worry about that. Just speak out the sounds of heaven. You can sing it out. You can pray it out. I pray for strength in this house. We'll pray for the fathers in just a moment. But those who aren't saved, get saved. Those who have been compromising, come back to Christ full, full. Get it all today. And those who are not filled with the Holy Spirit, receive. Receive the power of God. It's the promise of the Father. And right now I pray for every father in this house. I pray for every father to be a leader to their nation. I pray for every father to be a leader to their home, to their family, to their culture. And then from their culture, to reach every culture, to bring them to Christ's culture in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I pray for fathers to lead the way and for children's hearts to be drawn towards fathers. We pray for all these young adults rioting, 
All of these young adults confused about their sexuality, come to the fathers that God is sending you. Fathers, be sent to them in Jesus' name. We pray for fathers to be sent to every neighborhood, every community, every abortion mill, every high school, every business. Right now, fathers to be sent and for fathers and children to unite with Christ right now until every nation has heard the gospel, until every nation and tribe and tongue has accepted, had the chance to accept the gospel. Yes, there is a hell. Yes, there is a judgment. That is inevitable. Yes, there will be many lost. The the road is wide to destruction. But my friends, we shouldn't give up hope for revival. There's still time for more to be saved, more to be changed, more lives to be brought to Christ. Come on, God waited for you. God was patient for you. Pray for three people right now you want to see get saved. Pray for three cultures you want to see transformed. I pray for the white culture to be transformed. I pray for the African-American culture to be transformed. Hallelujah. I pray for the Asian culture to be transformed and to be brought to the knee, brought to their knees before Christ, at the feet of Christ. Every culture, every nation, come to Jesus. We're going to make disciples of nations. We're going to make disciples of nations. Every one of you should have a voice to speak to other nations because you have the voice of the Father through you, coming through you. In Jesus' name, a few more moments. Pray, pray.